We're going at it like Klopp and Dyche in the tunnel at Anfield, everybody. It's the Football Ramble preview show sponsored by Betway. It's Friday the 22nd of January. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Andy Brassel. Yes, friends, we didn't start it, but you can be damn sure we're going to finish it right here. Luke Moore, have you reassessed who you'd rather take on in hand-to-hand combat as darkness falls on Merseyside? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, first of all, I want Andy Brassel to acknowledge yet again his uh, very morose Andy Brassel naming, name drop <laughs> at the start. It's like if Andy was a rapper and he was about to name check himself coming in to do a verse, I'm not sure if I'll carry on listening. <laughs> It's uh, it's very much in the style of uh, Fatlit, formerly of the Far Side, in the Loneliest Punk, where he talks about how it's all dreadfully gone wrong for him since he left the Far Side. <laughs> it is a but, bit like that, <laughs> maybe. No, you told me when I signed for the Ramble, bring some broadsheet gravitas. Yeah, and that is what I'm attempting to do. No, I actually said just bring as much banter as you've got, is what I said. <laughs> and you said never use the word banter in front of me again. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> Answer your question, Kate. I don't think, I, I kind of agree with whoever it was on Twitter last night who said it. I, I, it might have been Michael Cox, I can't remember. But someone said, no, do you know who it was? I think it was Ryan Hun from Stadio who said um, that Daesh probably isn't as hard as people think he is. I think he's probably all bark. I mean, quite literally, all bark with no bite. <laughs> and I think Klopp has got a bit of the unhinged nature about him and he's also quite a lot, of, quite a lot bigger. So if it, if it were me... Um, I would probably, if I was fighting Jurgen Klopp last night physically, it's probably mm. going to take a lot of my energy and strength to get any kind of hit on him through all those layers. Yeah. So I'd probably point. take on Daesh if that's okay with you. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I don't know why everyone thinks of Klopp as being this like cuddly fella. I know he sort of smiles and laughs and is, is full of Andy Brussels favourite banter, but yeah. I feel as though I used to very regularly see him raging about the place when he was coaching in Germany, Brussels. Like, do you remember yeah, in well, the Champions League when he like went in on the, this is about six or seven years ago, when he went uh, in Napoli. on the fourth official? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, that's, that's the one. But the thing is, Klopp can always get away with that because he apologises afterwards, which is so <laughs> right. unusual amongst football coaches to, you know, you can do something that's pretty borderline and then come out afterwards and go, actually... I was a bit of a twat, sorry, which no other manager says. But I would go for Klopp in the fight situation because, exactly because of what you said, Kate, you'd squirrel a cuddle out of it, which <laughs> I, I, I think is, is probably the best approach to take. But I agree with Luke. I think Daesh is not as hard as people think. And everyone knows if Premier League history has taught us anything, baseball cap equals hard. Yeah. You hear the thing afterwards when he said, I didn't start, he was like, I didn't start it, but if we're not going to talk about this as Klopp, I didn't, I didn't start it, but if we're not talking about it, then that's fine. And he obviously just so wanted to talk about it. Yeah, I like, I did, to be fair, I, as someone who is, and, and people around Ramble HQ will know this probably a bit too well, I am quite fiercely competitive. Like, even when, when I stopped playing football with my pals or like at an amateur level, I, um, I still kind of found myself, even without even realising it, kind of making up games in the office for everyone to play and see who could win. So I am quite competitive. Yeah, and that had that... completely slipped my notice, Luke. No, yeah, well, I do, I do kind of do that quite a bit. But um, <laughs> what I was going to say was, I did quite like the idea that it was quite... I mean, I mean Andy will probably come on to why he didn't think it was a very interesting game last night, and because he's already mentioned that to us. But um, 
it was an interesting result, right? So the outcome was very interesting, and it was actually yeah. quite seismic if you look at the record that Liverpool had. And and if Jurgen Klopp was going to be annoyed about anything, he would have been annoyed about this, and it would have been quite high um, high stakes. And I, I felt like when I was waiting for the post match interviews with the managers to come in last night, I thought we'd get something a little bit more explosive from Klopp. But what we didn't really get that. But what I did like is I did like that they had a bit of a heat at the moment clash at half time. And to be fair to both of them. They did sort of say afterwards, look, it's no problem. Don't worry about it, particularly Daesh, which I have to say, set, you know, without being too boring about it, set, set quite a good example. Yeah, I thought Klopp was twitching though, wasn't he? So yes, of course, this is Stats fans. This is Liverpool's first defeat in 69 Premier League games at Anfield. Burnley, the victors in this one. 1-0 one the final score, Andy. Um, yeah, I, I mean, going back to Luke's point, I do wonder if the argument at half-time kind of informs the press conference afterwards because as we were saying with Klopp before a moment of intense anger is always followed by a moment of inherent reasonableness and you know there's nothing in that press conference that I would particularly disagree with really I I thought it was it was all fair enough he didn't um, seek to make any excuses or anything like that I mean you know you know I've mentioned it enough times on here so I feel like I'm gonna have to say it again but my pet hate is the way we kind of work backwards from the results. So Burnley did a great job. Of course, they did a great job. Liverpool had to underwhelm a bit for them to do that. I think it's, it's fair to say that the the team selection proved to be a mistake because by the time they got um, Salah and uh, Firmino on, that Burnley were well set. But it is easy to work backwards from the result, I think. And, you know, if Divock Origi hadn't tried to take the leather or, you know, semi-plastic composite or whatever it is off the <laughs> ball. Um, you know, Ben Mee would have been the guy who gifted Liverpool the lead. So Yeah, and as it was, he was a man of the match. So Yeah, <laughs> ex- ex- exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, obviously Liverpool are not having a great moment at the moment, but I think the Origi thing is kind of central to it. But because I think especially in this season of all seasons. And there's been a lot of talk in um, various newspapers and social media this morning about is Klopp reaching that sixth year at Dortmund moment where the players are just knackered and they can't have it anymore. So obviously there are a lot of differences in Dortmund's situation in Klopp's sixth year and Liverpool's situation in Klopp's sixth year. But one of the things that won't go away is there is a significant gap and it's, it's always going to happen, really, because who are you going to get to back up players who are always going to play? There, there's a significant gap between the best Liverpool eleven and the players just below it. Like If you're talking about Liverpool being the best club side in the world, Origi, Shakiri shouldn't be anywhere near it, really. Mm. And also, Andy, the, the thing is, though, I mean, I'll take that in a slightly different direction. And I, I do think... In, in the way that football is covered these days, it's always going to be informed by the result, particularly the result of seismic as that. And of course, it's sure. fine margins. It always is. Um, and the way that teams set up against a team like Liverpool now, if you if Liverpool score early, um, well, it's going to be a completely different evening. And we know that. I mean, that's been the case probably for years now against these big teams, particularly mm. with a, a less fashionable, less resourced Premier League team or a, or a bit set of cup opposition or whatever. But your, your, your point about the, the drop-off before the from the first eleven is a really interesting one, but I would take it in a slightly different direction. And what I would say is, I would argue that the biggest miss for them at the moment is actually Diogo Jota, and the reason mm, for that yeah. is because you bring Salah in, you bring Firmino in. What they need that front three is a massive shake up. They need to, they, they've won they've won the Champions League, they've won the Premier League, 
And, and really successful managers in the past have talked about this, this inertia that sets in, even if you don't fully realise it, to, to, to successfully defend a league title in a competitive division, I'm not talking about PSG or Bayern Munich or whatever, is really, really hard. And part of the reason Diogo Jota is so important is because it wasn't that long ago we were having conversations, or everyone was, about whether he should be picking Jota or Firmino in that central position because Firmino doesn't score that many goals and Jota's you know, really shaking things up. He dr- he's not only good because he's a good player, he's good because he drives the others on and makes them better because there's competition for places. And Diogo Jota being out is a massive miss for them, I think. But it is fine margins. I mean, you know, if, if, if Origi goes and, and scores that one-on-one, um, it's a completely different game, completely different. But he didn't, and it wasn't. It's an excellent point, Luke, about Diego Jota. And of course, they did miss, I think, Jordan Henderson, just in terms of leadership on, on the pitch last night. And and to your point as well, Andy, you know, let's face it, Liverpool had 27 shots without scoring. That's That's the most they've had in a single league game and not scored in something like seven years. So it's it's those fine margins of like... They had the shots, they had the chances, but hey, guys, you know, Burnley, you know, sometimes you're watching a game and the formation's a bit <laughs> a bit funny and you're trying to work out who's playing where. Burnley, as I'm sure you'll have seen in almost all stages <laughs> of the game, <laughs> were in their two serried ranks of four. And it was absolutely beautiful. It was a, it was a beautiful performance of defending from Sean Dyche's side. Um, and I, I personally really enjoyed just watching uh, Liverpool being rendered impotent by grit. Would we call it? I think Burnley are great to watch. You know, I just think you know, there's a lot. There's a bit of a there's a bit of a majesty about the um, how they all move as a as a pack and how they all. Um, um, and they all know their job so well. They move completely in unison. And, you know, Andy, I don't know if you, you've probably got more insight on me on this, but you know, the great Italian managers down the years would talk of them, you know, roping together their defenders so they all move in the same position in the same way at the same time and, and teaching them by literally, literally stringing them together on the training ground. I mean, Burnley are kind of a manifestation of that because they move in unison so regularly and so cleverly and so in such a disciplined way that, it's very, very difficult for, for Liverpool, in this case, to do much. And, and before I bring you in, I'll just say very quickly that, you know, we talk about all these shots Liverpool have had, you know, almost 100 shots over the last however many games and they've scored once or whatever it is um, in, in the league. You know, the, the quality of the chances they're getting, I mean, mm. I, it's mm. not, they're, not, they're not amazing. I mean, I mean, the problem is, I mean, without getting too technical, you talk about the 475 crosses that Alexander-Arnold put in yesterday... I mean, when you're when you're playing against a team that defends so well, and when they're they're already camped in their own penalty area, it's the definition already, of madness. Yeah, you're already camped in theirs <laughs> as well. You've got yeah. no run on them. There's no momentum. It's, you're absolutely right. It's like insanity. You're doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I mean, you've got to be cuter and cleverer than that. Liverpool need to go back to how they used to play against teams who made it difficult for them, and at the moment they're just not doing that. And Dyche has done an incredible job, really, because I'm sure we've touched on it briefly on the, on the ramble before. But if you bear in mind um, the difficulties at the start of the season between Dyche and the board, and the fact that he wasn't really getting a lot of help in the transfer market, the way they started the season, for them to end up at this point with no real major investment, not even compared to, I guess, a Brighton or a Newcastle United or you know any team that's in a, a similar sort of space... It's, it's quite remarkable. He, he does deserve a crack, I I think, at uh, another job. But um, I just wonder, 
You know who I could really see fitting in there, Kate? Dayan Lovren, because I'm missing him. I was going to say, Lovren. <laughs> what, at Burnley is this? You're trying, yeah. you're trying to get him? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Just get him back in the Premier League at any cost, I say. Best defender in the world. Well, Dayan Lovren seems to be having a lovely old time at uh, Zen at St. Petersburg, because he says he's been texting... Oh, no, Klopp's been texting him, saying he misses him, but he didn't even reply. Did you see this? I just thought I was yeah. a bit wanky, really. Like, <laughs> just reply. He probably thought that um, he could. Um, he, he, what he did is he texted uh, Lovren at the exact moment that Origi was through on goal against Burnley last night. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, "You just scored that day, in how about it?" And uh, Lovren, it's a massive Lovren move not replying, though, Andy. Isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's. The- the thing is, there's there's not enough context, you know. When was the text sent, you know? Because if it was, you know, three in the morning, you know, bottle of vodka down, your ex texts you and says, I miss you. I mean, well, you, you shouldn't are, respond to that. You, you shouldn't no, respond you know to that. what? You know when it was, Andy. It was like two minutes before the interview or whatever it was, the chat that he was having, Lovren. So he's like, uh, oh, yeah, I got this text and I haven't replied. <laughs> it's like, you're right. <laughs> I you're right two minutes ago, Lovren. Yeah. I sometimes wake up in the morning um, to a text uh, saying, you still up, question mark, kiss, uh, from like three in the morning. And it's um, from Pete. Yeah, <laughs> we all do. We all do. But you keep very regular hours, don't you, Luke? That's not. I a lot do. Of I, know I, that. I'm. I'm a man of. Uh, trem- as you know, Kate, very well. I'm a man of tremendous discipline. <laughs> well, on that note, um, Liverpool. Like Burnley. It's, yeah, well, quite. Um, Liverpool need a bit of that. Uh, for them, it's only a trip to table-topping Manchester United coming up next. That's on Sunday. They're meeting in the FA Cup. Um, their next Premier League game is Tottenham on Thursday. So look, Manchester United, they actually managed to beat Burnley at Turf Moor fairly recently. So is that the lim- litmus test, do you think, Andy, for whether you're a true title title contender? Really? Has it come to this already in the Premier League season? <laughs> I just think there's there's so little to choose, actually, between the content of those two games. It goes back to... It's bizarre, um, isn't it? the result being king. And I, I just think you can't predict a run of results with any certainty in the Premier League at the moment. So to say that, um, you know, this is why Liverpool are going to fall short and this is why Manchester United have got a genuine chance, I, I don't I don't believe in that at all. Any more than I really believe that Jurgen Klopp was saving his players so he could properly have a go at United in the FA Cup at no, the weekend. No, surely mm. not, yeah. And we should also, by the way, just give... Burnley, before we move on, to give Burnley a little bit of credit. I mean, the penalty was a cut and dry penalty. They they mm. they they did have a little bit of a threat on the break. They weren't so um, defensive that they made it like a training ground exercise. And you know, and, oh, and actually, in quite a difficult situation with the weight of history, four years or whatever it is of history on his shoulders, actually Barnes dispatched it pretty well. So you know, they deserve, they deserve a little bit of credit as well for sticking at their task and kind of getting a win because it's not often that Burnley do get a huge amount of credit. So we should you know, make, take the time to say well done to them too. They deserve loads of credit, Luke. You're absolutely right. It's been something like it's been over forty years since they've won at Anfield, and and there were ch- yeah they didn't have as many chances as as Liverpool, but they had enough chances, and they were catching them on the break, and they were and they created the chances, and bloody hell they got the win, and it was I thought it was really impressive. I really enjoyed it. Um, do you think that's <laughs> Brussels? Are you planning to enjoy? Do you think you'll enjoy Sunday's game more or less than last night? <laughs> Honestly, because it's on Sunday, I feel pretty sure that I won't watch it. <laughs> Andy, 
there's, 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 there's like 400 European games on every Sunday, and I end up watching anything that's happened on Sunday on Monday. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Luke, about, you better field that one then. What's this? The, the, the Liverpool Man United game in the Cup? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, well, it's at, it's at Man United, isn't it? Apologies. Yeah. 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 Look, look the, last, the last time they played each other, um, it was absolutely shit. Uh, this time, I hope it won't be quite as shit. But yeah, I'll obviously watch it because I'm a football <laughs> fan, and, and you know, it's just how it is, you know. And and um, it's one of our four to score games later as well, so I'll be watching it with keen interest because I'm a professional, unlike Andy. I don't think I'm too cool a, to watch English he's a football. Professional, exactly. <laughs> Discipline. Is that what you were trying to convey with that brass? That you're too cool? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Andy's oh. the kind of guy who only, re- if you talk about like a really popular artist, he'll, and you say, what's your favourite song by that artist? He'll almost certainly say a B-side. Oh, yeah, without, without a shadow of doubt. Without a shadow <laughs> of a doubt. I mean, this is a conversation that I obviously can't have. So shall we talk about one of the other <laughs> ones? B-side is cake. So basically, when a band releases a single... <laughs> it's all tapes, isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't happen these days. It doesn't happen these days. Oh, bless it. Yeah, no, I used to have a Walkman. Don't you worry about it. Uh, let's get on to another one of the FA Cup games of the weekend. Surely going up against Wolves. And guys, there is already beef. There is beef because Nuno, I mean, there was beef from 1986, which we can talk about if you want, uh, because Chorley famously beat Wolves and it was part of this like triple relegation situation back then where they, they just went into the absolute mud. They hit literal rock bottom. Um, yeah, to quote Jamie Rudnap. I, I <laughs> have heard they've been, Nuno's been concerned about the pitch, right? The Chorley pitch, because there's been Storm Kristoff and and obviously it's a non-league ground and all this sort of stuff. Um, I don't know if it's related, but Chorley, moments before we recorded this, have just announced that their backer for tonight is Green Thumb Lawn Treatment Service. <laughs> so I don't know. To... Better late than never. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. I don't know if that's a reaction to Nuno's griping about the pitch at Victory Park. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it's good to see a little bit of beef between in this massive gulf between the two sides, Luke. Yeah, it is. And, and I mean, Wolves has gone under the radar a little bit, in my view. I mean, all the chat we've had about Newcastle in recent weeks and months. I mean, if Newcastle win their game in hand in the Premier League, they could go above Wolves. So, I mean, we, we, we do this thing in, when we cover football where we kind of accept certain teams as part of the furniture and maybe sleep on it a little bit when they start to have a difficult time. This is absolutely a banana skin, uh, to use that amazing phrase I, I, I would never get tired of using. Surely gave Derby's... Uh, under eight, an absolute battering last time around. Uh, it, it was great to see. Give those little slugs a reality check. Those, those absolutely mollycoddled, academy disgusting pinkos a reality check. That's right, Lee, because football. if Derby's first team haven't been paid this month or for December, I imagine no, I their youngsters are doing I have, extremely well there. I have, a lot of, I have a lot of sympathy for Derby as a club, amazing club, all the rest of it. But what I'm saying is, Surely you're going to make this a bit of a battle. And I think Nuno knows that. And that's why a lot of this stuff's happening. What I would also say, and I mean this in a completely non-patronising way, because regular listeners to, to, to our football shows will know that Andy and I love going to non-league football. I go to Gosford Borough whenever I can. We, our last At The Match episode, Andy's um, extortionately expensive uh, football show vehicle, um, went to um, Peckham <laughs> Town last time and it was brilliant. Can't so even what get I want to say tea. is I'd love to visit Chorley because they have a chippy, I think, in their ground. 
and they serve up butter pies, which I've never tri- tried, uh, but I, I do really like the sound of. And butter is yeah, the main you- ingredient, isn't it? Is it? I mean, it might be a bit too much butter. We'll have to wait and see. But I'll, I'll definitely, I mean, if, if anyone that surely wants to extend me a um, an invite when all this stuff's over, I'm not sure what they would. Well, I'll t- t- tell do, you what, we'll Luke, <laughs> you, you have to, yeah, any good member of a production team plans ahead. And obviously <laughs> when we got to Peckham Town, they didn't have any green tea. So make yeah. sure if we go yeah. to... If we go to Chorley, there's a vegan option. Okay. I mean, to, to be fair, the Peckham Town at the match episode, which you can still go and listen to now, by the way, did start off fairly inauspiciously when assistant producer Finn went to the wrong place and you ki- <laughs> and you kicked off and started throwing things around because the, the lovely tea lady had never heard of green tea before. So that hopefully Chorley would like- be better. I feel like the chairman of Chorley, Chorley is uh, Ken Wright is a smooth operator because he's, you know, he's taken these criticisms that there's going to be a risk of injury to the Wolves players on the chin. And he says the game's going to go ahead. It's a decent playing surface. There's nothing wrong with the pitch. And he was, of course, uh, he was the manager when his, when yeah. in 1986, when they caused yeah, that upset. That's a lovely so, little bit of a subtext. I love a bit games. of narrative. But, yeah. but but Mace, this is the thing, right? And I don't want to be too old-fashioned about this and be too kind of, yeah, Luke, you're a 40-year-old man. No one really cares what you think. I mean, that's been going on for years. Nothing to do with my age. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> football players will have to play a game in a situation when it's not as easy as it is in other occasions. Yeah, exactly. Just fucking play the game. You know, think Let's your own thoughts you in your guys. own head and just play <laughs> the game. Like... Be careful. No one wants to see anyone get injured, but you are a finely tuned athlete of amazing repute. I'm sure you can look down at your feet and run over a pitch that isn't like a carpet every so often exactly. and still play okay. And what, what non-league players are having to go through at the moment in terms of uncertainty and in terms yeah. of like actually yeah. doing like actual jobs as well at some point. Like Nigel Adderley, the commentator, has is, is, is tweeted earlier, uh, Jamie Vermilio, the coach of, of Chorley, has a day of overseeing homeschooling at his primary school, checking the kids yeah. of key workers socially distanced and react to the latest government U-turn on its education policy in a pandemic. Then tonight he manages his team against Wolves. I mean, that yeah. is a day and a half. Yeah, exactly. That is serious stuff. Well, it kicks off tonight at 7.45. Chorley go up against Wolves. Well, I would absolutely be watching tonight, looking forward to it, and I will probably turn it off and do something else when Wolves go tunnel up after about eight minutes. Um, oh. Big news, everyone. We have some brand new content waiting for you over on our Patreon. Tonight, breaking news, tonight, Marcus Vish and myself will be doing a live stream Q&A on our Discord. Um a video, I think it's a video thing as well. I'm being told, I'm being like reliably informed. It's actually Ooh. video as well. Uh, we have mm. many more Ramble Lives in the works as well after that. Tonight is the inaugural one, um, so we're looking forward to it. Um, not only that, Marcus and Andy are also bringing out a brand new weekly show from Monday. So that is fortnightly Ramble Lives videos, uh, weekly uh, Ramble-ons, Ad-free rambles, don't forget that. That's absolutely key if that's your kind of thing. So you can listen to the shows without any ads. And a brand new weekly show with Marcus and Andy. There's so much going on. Head over to patreon.com forward slash football ramble to discover what it's all about for as little as $5 a month. That is a snip, an absolute snip, given that you can't actually leave the house or do anything at the moment. Um, What a great investment. So that's patreon.com forward slash football ramble for loads more content over on the Patreon. 
I cannot wait for the Discord tonight. I'm going to send you some absolute curveballs, lads. I can't <laughs> wait. Uh, time now to get to a break. So if you already have it, you won't have a chance to sit in on the ads. But if you do have the ads, maybe use this time to go and sign up to the Patreon. Just an idea. You know, when we come to these places, you know, we are allowed to actually fight. We are allowed to actually try and win. That's all it was. You Not know. usually the managers, though. No, no, no. We just uh, a couple of things. I said nothing, absolutely nothing that should be out the normal. It's just two managers fighting for their teams, wanting to win a game. There's nothing wrong with that. We're here to fight for our teams, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Football Ramble preview show sponsored by Betway. Thanks for sticking with us. Now it's time for a few of these. Just in the show. Yes, this one's from Jason Moroni. The new Craven Cottage pool made me think of stadiums with pools. The Jacksonville Jaguars are known for their stadium pool, so I have to assume yes. Shahid Khan thought if it works in the stadium of one football team, why not in the others? Florida has the same weather as London. <laughs> so, of course, you do the same thing at each stadium. Also, is Shahid trying to become the stadium pool magnate? Well, I'll tell you what, actually, Jason. I'm very fond of, if you go to Iceland's national stadium, they have... Oof a public swimming pool next door. I mean, it's not quite the same, but obviously the the fact is everyone can join in and it has loads of those that what they call hot pots, like those thermally heated spas. Um, So for a, for a couple of quid, you can like, you know, live at large whilst viewing the Icelandic national stadium just over the way. Oh my goodness me. Iceland is so amazing. I love Iceland as well. And in the, in the, do you remember that, remember that viral video of that Scottish guy who got his flight cancelled because of the volcano in the background <laughs> of that Sky News report just going, I hate Iceland. <laughs> um, I actually love Iceland as well. It's an amazing place. But, you know, it's so funny to me because that Jacksonville Stadium, I mean, about being rude, I mean, Florida is the butt of a lot of the jokes over in the US generally, but I mean, it just they're just so basic. Like It's just so basic. They're all just in this massive pool with their bikinis on, like occasionally watching the sport. I mean, if you're one of those against modern football types, you're not going to be very happy with Fulham, but I agree with Jules. I'm from the Jules Breach School, which says, bring it on. Um, I'll probably I'll probably stop just short of Jules what, and Wayne Lineker there, but only just short. <laughs> what, what this brings to mind for me actually is, and I'm not, I need to double check this, but I'm pretty sure that one of the Qatar 2022 stadiums is supposed to have a swimming pool in it, which throws wow. a massive, strange light on the kind of formality and customs of the place because I don't right. know, I don't know what outfit you'd be wearing in a pool. Sorry, Andy, in just let Qatar. me pick this up. Um, Kate, have you got any opinions on Wayne Lineker? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine he's going to be an honoured guest out in Doha in there. Is he your favourite Lineker? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to pick a favourite Lineker. They all have their own qualities, don't they? It'll be like picking a favourite child. <laughs> well, in a way, one of them is a big child, but yeah, carry on. <laughs> Yeah, that was it, really. If you if you make it out to uh, to the World Cup in in a year's time, you might be able to soak up some of the the action from a swimming pool, possibly in very modest dress. I'm not I'm not really sure. Um, I also I just want to chime in very quickly with a not an email I received, but a tweet. Um, 
Who, oh, no. uh, so I got a tweet <laughs> late last I night. I thought you'd muted said, everyone, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I got. A, I kind of have, which is why it's surprising that it came through. Um, I just got a tweet from someone called Joey. He just said, saw this and thought of you. And when I clicked on the conversation, it, 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 it had a massive photo of um, the Liverpool team from 1991 in fancy dress because we talked a bit about um, fancy dress on the show yesterday. Yeah. And, I mean, I'll share it on my Twitter. It's incredible. You've got Ian Rush as one of um, the Beatles from Sgt. Pepper, right? Oh, right. Got, um, wow. So it's real. Got, um, it's not some Photoshop thing. No, I think it's from their Christmas party in like the early 90s. You've got um, right. Steve McManaman's dressed like a, um, I don't know how you describe him, but like a, I don't know, like a, a 17th century gentleman. One of them is dressed like Elvis. The other one's dressed like the Zorro. Um, it's an incredible effort. Someone who I can't <laughs> even recognise dressed like uh, Ronald McDonald and David James, a very young David James, dressed as what I can only assume is Aladdin. It's great stuff. So thank you very much for sending that in. <laughs> that is a quality fancy dress Simpler outfit. Time. Yeah, keep keep sending them in. Send us your fancy dress outfits, anything you want. We can't promise we'll read them out, but if you're really lucky, Luke might enjoy them. Show up footballramble.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, sticking with the kind of FIFA and UEFA and all this sort of stuff, apparently football's coming home, friends. UEFA have suddenly, it's suddenly occurred to them that this current situation with coronavirus and people uh, not being able to cross borders and all this sort of stuff, that it might be worth staging the Euros in one country, Andy, after all. Hmm. Does this seem like a, a sensible reaction? And are you excited about Harry Kane lifting the trophy in our own back garden? Am I, am I satisfied about the possibility of them deciding it should be held in one country and it will be done with the one that was the last to lock down and stop international flights coming in? <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm over the moon about it. <laughs> Such a cynic. Uh, health and safety representative Brassel on the case. Let's get this absolutely right, you guys. There's absolutely no way on earth that this tournament is being played in June across all these different countries in Europe. Can't be. I mean, it's not happening. And, and they know that, and we know that. And what I would recommend is that they actually make some kind of plan and announcement as soon as possible to make this to sort this out. I and mean, we said on the show, didn't we? I think I was on the show with UK maybe a month or two ago saying, mm. look, it's not happening. And, and England are already hosting the semifinals and the finals, so maybe it makes sense because of the infrastructure and, in theory, the, you know, the, the transport links and all that type of stuff. It makes sense for them to do it in England. And, and, and well, I mean, maybe it, it might be extended across the rest of Britain as well, but it does make sense. But it's not going to happen across a lot of different countries because I just don't think the, I just don't think the continent's going to have recovered enough for it to be possible. So we have to see where we are with things like vaccinations and, and whether there'll be fans in attendance or whatever. But if you wait for one to hold a tournament, which, I mean, Andy can tell me if I'm wrong, but as far as I'm aware, they're absolutely desperate to do in the dates that they said they want to do it then they're going to have to change their plan and they're going to have to change it pretty quick. Yeah, um, I think the the issue is when Karl-Heinz Rummenigger starts uh, announcing best practice. That's the problem, really. Quite. So, but, but if he's pointing, pointing it out, it's, it's, it's definitely uh, some, something that's for the best of everyone. It'll be interesting to, to, to see what actually happens. I mean, in terms of... We spoke about this on On the Continent this week with um, Dotton and, and Miguel Delaney. I, I think... There are two big issues around this. One, the fact that you've got to completely gut the the, the venue schedule. 
And I, I think it makes it very difficult to have fans in, in any situation. And the second part of it is at a time um, when there's a push for a Super League, when there seems a, a, a greater schism than ever between club football and international football. I, I said on the, the, the show yesterday, I think the last thing that international football can afford is a really poor quality tournament. And when you yeah. look at the current physical state of the players, that's exactly what it's going to be. You know, we, we know there are a lot of like club football fundamentalists out there at the moment, but what are those people that are, their moans are going to be louder than ever. And I think the moans from certain elite clubs are going to be louder than ever. If the, you know, for want of a better phrase, the product is, is really substandard. So decisions due on this in March. I mean, to, to add a bit of sympathy into this, of course, you know, these are unprecedented times and people are making decisions on the hot. We've seen this situation with with uh, Tokyo and the Olympics and people trying to hold fire and work out if it's possible later on this year. I mean, Glasto's cancelled, so read into that what you will. Let's have a little glance at some of the other, a quick look at some of the other FA Cup ties that we've got coming up this weekend. Cheltenham go up against Manchester City. That's Saturday afternoon, that one. I'm, I mean... You know, I'm looking forward to this. I don't know if there's going to be action as glorious as we saw in in their last game, Cheltenham's, when Newport goalkeeper Tom King managed to deliver the longest ever goal scored in competitive football. I mean, do we think that's the route that Pep Guardiola's men are going to go down on this (laughs) lovely Saturday afternoon? It's, it's It's like a goal that's been explicitly designed to make Pep Guardiola sick. Like... It's like a horror film for him. When he's actually watched the, when he has to watch the tape of Cheltenham's game ahead of this game against Man City, assuming he does watch the tape, he's gonna he's gonna visibly recoil. It's gonna be for him, it's like in that, that remake of The Ring where the girl comes up the TV. He's, he's gonna be kicking his chair back and legging it out the room because it goes against everything he stands for. Luke, um, you say that, but Edison definitely wants a bit of this, I think. I remember oh, in- interviewing sure. him for telly a couple of years back and um, saying, you, you know, you, you have to chuck it. I was asked to chuck in the question about what outfield position would you play if if you weren't a goalkeeper? And most mm. goalkeepers, you know, have a have a little think about it and go, oh, I wouldn't mind being a striker, I suppose. I score, score the odd goal in training. <laughs> Without me even getting to the end of the question, he went left back, definitely. And oh, he, really? you know, he was—he's—he he would be really good outfield. I could see him Roberto Carlosing from his own corner flag. Well, if he's a fullback under Pep, and he's automatically going to be converted into some kind of midfielder anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. it, it, a bit of versatility there. I, look, I well, do this think, is his um, moment, isn't it? Really, everyone's all, everyone's scoring from goals uh, as a goalkeeper, aren't they? Is it everyone? Everything? Everyone. Well, two well, two people in a week. I mean, that seems like a lot, doesn't it? Uh, the yeah. A-bar goalkeeper, I'm sure Brassel wants to tell us all about this. He took a penalty. Lovely pen. He did. I mean, they had missed three this season. Uh, so m- maybe putting up Marko Dimitrovic wasn't that ab- abnormal. Except the fact he's in his late 20s now and he's never scored a professional goal. Oh, so he's I'm perhaps so happy. Or, or hadn't so nice. before that. But he, he took it like someone who scored a lot of it. There was a bit of Ruggiero Senni, the way he came up and absolutely leathered it into the, the net. But he nearly got a goal, Dimitrovic, um, at the end of last season. So I guess that's, what, July, something like that. When they were playing away at Sevilla, Abar, and they were 1-0 down, and he came up in the last minute and he got a, he got a touch on a, on, on a corner and it was going in, but it was saved by Lucas Acampos 
the Sevilla winger, who'd scored the winning goal, but even in the days of five subs, they'd run out of subs. So he had to go in goal. So he not only scored the winner, but he saved a potential equaliser from the opposition goalkeeper. I can't but- deal with it. It's too much narrative. It's too much. It's actually too much. And, and I, I also think, Andy, sorry to cut across you, but there's like, you're actually right, Kate, because there's been goalkeepers are having a moment. We talked yesterday about um, Alphonse Ariola going up in a league yeah. game for, for, yeah. for a goal. Alison was up as well last night. What the hell was he doing? Out of his goal for about four minutes. He was and and, and and they did the score. And Burnley. He lost his mind, didn't he? Basically, Alison, because that penalty. You could see him at the end. Yeah, goalkeepers were having a moment. Klopp had to like drag him away from Mike Dean uh, at the very end. He was trying to remonstrate (laughs) with him, but I don't know what he was saying. Are you saying like, it's like Joe Hart overcompensation? Yeah, I think like it trying might. to <laughs> uh, uh, trying to force the issue. The, the other postscript I've got to say with Dimitrovic, after threatening to be the hero after putting his team 1-0 up against Atletico, there could have been a bookended of the moment because it was 1-1. Atletico get a penalty in the 90th minute, which obviously is engineered, let's say, by Luis Suarez. And so (laughs) Dimitrovic can make himself the ultimate hero by not only scoring a penalty, but saving one. But obviously, Suarez being Suarez, Penenka's in for the winner. Yeah, we're going to miss Suarez when he's gone, I'm telling you. No one's given us. I mean, there's there's plenty of players out there who've given us on the Ramble as much content than Suarez, but no one's given us more content than Suarez. I mean, (laughs) the man is just a headline machine. And you know, but but to, to take it back to the Cheltenham game, like I think Cheltenham are doing all right in League Two at the moment, right? And I mean they haven't won for a wee while, but they're doing okay. They're up there, and the problem is they're playing Man City, right? If they're playing another, if they're playing a struggling Premier League team in this season, you might think, okay, they've got a chance. But I, I happen to be of the opinion now, as I alluded to yesterday, that I think Man City are going to start to to really hit their straps, and they're going to walk, um, they're going to walk the division, I think, this season. I think they might even. There's talk among some that they might even do a domestic double. I don't know what you guys think about that. They're cranking it up. Are they going to be cranking it up at the Johnny Rock Stadium? We shall see. Also, what a stadium, come, oh, by the way. <laughs> what a stadium. <laughs> other, big, other big games, if you like. Southampton Arsenal, that's off the back of Arteta, winkling out the mole in the training ground. Um, and Aston Villa <laughs> versus Newcastle, the Steve Bruce derby. I think I've got to tell you who I, I reckon is going to score in that one. Luke, so should we get to four to score? Yeah, let's do it. It's time for Betway's four to score. Entry to our friend Betway's four to score is free. Each week, you just pick the first goal scorer in Betway's four selected matches for your chance to win the weekly £50,000 jackpot. Make sure your selections are submitted before the first game and further T's and C's apply. Okay, Game one, as Kate has already mentioned, is Aston Villa v Newcastle Saturday night. A Saturday night treat. Um, who have you gone for, Kate? <laughs> it's a tricky one because obviously Aston Villa haven't scored much, having not played much, but it's hard to pick someone from Newcastle, isn't it? So I've gone, no disrespect, Newcastle fans. So I've gone for Ollie Watkins. Okay, nice pick. It's a quite an interesting experiment, isn't it, by the, the football authorities to see if Aston Villa can do anything this season without actually playing any football matches. Um, <laughs> we'll see how that turns out. Game two is Brentford v Leicester, Sunday afternoon. Andy, you're up with that one. And again, it's another difficult pick because you don't really know the teams that are, are going to come out. But I know Brentford like a bit of rotation as well as Leicester. And you know I like to squirrel a former Wimbledon player in there. So, I mean, with Brentford, it's easy because they've all been on loan at ours. Um, so I've gone for uh, Mark. Marcus Force. Oh, the Finnish super sub. 
Yeah. Maybe a start. You never know. Um, all right. So game three is Fulham v Burnley. It's also on Sunday afternoon. And our old pal, Pete Donaldson, has gone for a pick for this one. Fulham have only won this fixture in the FA Cup once in their history. So you have to say the history is very much against them. Burnley have tightened things up recently. And you probably think that Daesh would probably want um, strikers such as Matty Vidra to uh, play himself back into form. So let's have a bit of that. Matty Vidra with the first one for me. Nice pick, Pete. I think Vidra will probably start the game, so he's got a good chance. Um, now, we're, we're on game four now, which is Man United v Liverpool on Sunday tea time, which is uh, my game. But before we get into that, I want to give you guys an opportunity to marvel and to respect my four-to-score pick of last week. Uh, open it up to the floor now. Anything you want to say, give you the opportunity to kind of, uh, to kind of put, put, put a bookend on, on that one. He does this every... You do this every week. You're going to get one eventually. You know, I mean, it's a hell of a shout. Let's be absolutely fair. He's in his, he's in scoring form, John Stones. He can do anything these days. I know it was by the second half, anyway. (laughs) It almost got to the point. It almost got to the point where I regretted muting so many people on Twitter because a lot of people (laughs) were getting in touch. But not quite. But not quite. Anyway, game four, Man United v Liverpool, Sunday night. It'll probably be nil nil. Um, But I've I've gone for Marcus Rashford. Obviously, he only played five minutes last night. I think he, he he's obviously someone who's very in tune to the local area. He'll be desperate to score against Liverpool. I think May and I can certainly score in this game. So I've gone for Marcus Rashford. All right, so to sum up, our, our four picks this week are Ollie Watkins, Marcus Force, uh, Matteo Vidra and Marcus Rashford. Uh, make sure your selections are submitted before the first game. Further T's and C's apply. Um, if we win the 50,000 jackpot, we'll obviously give it away to charity, but you have a chance to win it too. So give it a go. But you must be over the age of 18 and do gamble responsibly. For more information on foot, um, responsible gambling, I, thought, I almost said for more information on football then. Um, for more information on, on responsible gambling, please do head to begamblerware.org. Okay, now it's time for this. It's one of those games that's quite difficult to explain, but you'll get it as soon as you start hearing it. <laughs> Every it time. It absolutely is. Me up. <laughs> I'm just getting my pen and paper out. Uh, I've got mine. Can you hear it? Yeah, I can hear it. Yeah, this is what I we can, can bring it. you the audio visual stimulus of a podcast. It's Kate versus Andy. It's David versus Goliath. After they played Oi, each other last I beat time, this I'll let you know which. Well, hang on a second, <laughs> what, Kate. Yeah, I'm, I'm David. Up. That's the point. <laughs> After you played last time, I was going to say it's up to the listener to decide which one's David and which one's Goliath. Um, So it's uh, five players. I'll give you one at a time. You bid for how many of their clubs they've played for you can name. No repetition, no wrong answers. uh, And um, yeah, we'll see who comes out at the end uh, as the winner. They have to have played a first team game for the club you mentioned. So we've had a little bit of that in the past. Andy Brassel snuck a Didi Herman in there once and all hell broke loose. Um, Let's so, not get onto the B teams thing. I, yeah. No. Okay. Fine. We're going to open that can of worms. So it's but, like a different. It's the other side of a cassette, right? It's the. It's the. It's yeah. The it trash. Is. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah. Sort of. That so, gets released. Controversially, but I'm going to stick with it. I'm afraid because that's what the algorithm has generated. Because Kate beat Andy last time out. Yes, she um, did. Andy Come gets on. To go first. Andy gets to go first. Okay. So. Oh, is really that what I want or not? Time. Oh, right. <laughs> we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Um, <laughs> all right, here we go. So, the first player, Andy gets to go first. Um, it, he's played for six clubs in total. He's still very much a part of the football furniture, uh, but he retired in 2008 as a player. It's Neil Lennon. 
Okay. See, Andy's very quick, Kate, which can throw people off their guard, so be careful. Three, can you name four clubs that Neil Lennon played for, Kate? Well, I can definitely name one. Okay. Um... Sorry. One oh, no, I'm allowed to swear, aren't I? Lower than four. <laughs> Say again. One is one quite is... a lot lower than four. The problem is, right, with this. Okay, no, we'll come on to this in a minute. Three clubs seems like it's gettable for Brussels. That's Is that what do you call it, Luke? It's like the sweet spot. It's sweet spot, isn't it? Right in the it's slot. In the, that. It's in the slot. Yeah. I thought four was the sweet spot. Well, it depends on the it number. It depends of... on how many clubs. I mean, it some, changes, are, some would say. Not... Some would say, Kate, that three's quite low. Yeah, they would. I All right. I need to do, oh, Kate. A little neg there from Brussels. <laughs> Kate, I need, to, I need to work on some squash metaphors for you. I'll, I'll do that you. for next time. That's really kind. I, fuck. I mean, I think I could get three, but I don't think I could get four. But All if right. I don't, But if I don't do it, then Brussels definitely going to get three, isn't he? Or is he not? I mean, in many ways, what you've done there is you've described the jeopardy involved in this game. <laughs> but uh, but I, or, I do think... alternatively, I, the rules. <laughs> yeah, but I do think there's kind of an unspoken contract among the listeners that they know what the game involves. So just tell me who right. you're going to bid for or I'm trying you to want Andy to name three. I th- okay, 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 okay. Okay, I'm going to ask Andy to name them. Go, Andy. Okay. Go, go on, Andy. One at a time, please, mate. C- c- can I ask Kate if there's a future opportunity for me to go for a cup of tea while she decides how many she's going to pick. <laughs> if you could tell me in advance, because I could have had two in, and a biscuit in that Brassel's time. Russell's playing for time now. I don't think he's yeah. got three. By the way, Kate, that's a dig at me because I'm running this game, not him. Uh, <laughs> Name me three and okay. then we'll move on with our lives. Okay. Uh, Leicester City. Mm. Correct. Celtic. That's and also correct. Crew Alexandra. Bloody hell. Very good. Very I thought you were toying good. with me. I thought it was a... Uh, because when you said it was low, yeah, I thought you were implying that you didn't actually have three. So my researchers tell me that Glen Avon, who the club he started off at, isn't pro. I apologise to Glen Avon supporters everywhere if that's not true, but that doesn't count as, as, as per my research. So he started his career at Manchester City, which I didn't actually know until I mm. was looking at it. Then he went to Crewe, then Leicester City, then obviously spent a long time at Celtic, uh, Nottingham Forest, and then ended his career at Wickham Wanderers. Okay, it's one nil to Andy. Mm. Kate, you're up first this time. What do you mean? I'm uh, up a little first? bit of a. He's a oh, young prospect. This guy, young prospect, probably still playing somewhere. Um, but he started his <laughs> career in 1992. Uh, he he actually retired 20 years later officially. Um, he's played for six clubs in total. It's Carnu. Oh no! I mean. What I think is that this is more difficult because we're not in a room together. Because right now I'd be eyeballing your man. <laughs> You'd be, be writing your notes on a piece of uh, writing notes on a piece of paper. Well, that was my I mean, whole. He's quite a big player, Carnu. Quite. A, that quite was a my whole player, strategy, so. wasn't it? That was the whole thing was to like psych him out gradually. Yeah, it's difficult saying, for you in this environment. I'll accept sledging by WhatsApp, you know. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's unreasonable in the circumstances. No, listen, phones should be down and windows should be closed for this. I've got no way of checking, but I'm trusting in people's good nature, trusting in people's better nature here. Do you think neighbours are sending in paper aeroplanes with the answers in? I'll, I'll tell you what, that's a great idea, actually. Andy, I mean, I mean how windows many clubs on computer is this, screens, mate? crucially, not actual windows. <laughs> how, many, how many clubs is this? 
Six. Me? And I need a number from you now before everyone falls asleep. <laughs> Give me a number now. Uh, I um, 92 he was born, you said. No, he started his career in 92. Carnu, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> Give me a hell. number, Kate, now, or I'm going to give the point to Andy. I'll just say three. Don't make me do it. Russell, say four. Four. <laughs> four, okay. <laughs> I take it Kate's not going to bid five then, right? So is that is that fair, Kate? Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so Andy, one at a time, please. Four clubs that um, Carnu's played for. Portsmouth. Arsenal. Ajax. Internazionale. Absolutely correct. The only two clubs you didn't name were West Bromwich Albion, where he spent two seasons before he went to Portsmouth. And if you can name the club he started his career at, I'll give you the money myself. Is there money involved in this? I had no idea. No, I'm only joking. It's a mess. Let's hope so. The club he started his career at is called, and I think I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Iwanyanwu Nacional. In uh, Nigeria, so there we it's go. The that's that's, that's what I was Andy. actually trying to say when I was saying Inter. Actually, is that right? Is it okay? Well, <laughs> very impressive. If that's the case. All right. So Andy, you're up first again. I was getting stressed one... that he had like a younger brother or something. He's stressing me out, man. <laughs> he almost certainly has. If you, Andy, if you get this one, um, you have won the game because you're two and up with three to play. You're first this time around. He's also played for six clubs. Weirdly enough. Um, he retired in 2018, so just uh, two and a bit years ago. Uh, he is Glenn Johnson. Ooh. We had him last week. What the hell? Did we not just do him? Nope. Have I dreamed that? It's entirely possible. I don't want to be a part of any of your dreams, but it is possible. <laughs> oh, Luke, you always are, mate. Don't you? <laughs> bluffer. What a bluffer I am, eh? <laughs> Go on, Andy. May, may I have four? You may oh, have for four, God's of course. Sake. So polite. You uh, can't have four. Yeah, right. That's your bid. Four is your bid, Andy. I've yeah. heard it, so I've got to accept yeah. it. What was you the little noise it. that he just made? I don't know. He's just trying to put you off. Kate, do you want to go five? Well, the problem here, obviously, is that he's going to win now if I don't make a bid, but he's just made it seem like he doesn't know four. Luke, what do I do? I, I would know if we were in a room together. I think if Andy can't name four clubs that Glenn Johnson played for... He's not the man I thought he was. <laughs> Why is he? Ma- oh, so he's just trying to psych me out, is he? It's not for me oh. to say. It's not for me. All right, to look, say. I'll, I'll just, I'll give it a go. Yeah, five, five, five. Okay, Andy, do you want to do all six? No, the reason I stopped is because I could do five. I'm not sure I could do six. So you go for it. Oh, exciting. All right, okay. So one at a time, please. The clubs that Glenn Johnson's played for. Look, quite a high-profile Premier League player. Absolutely no reason you can't do five of these. Um, Thanks, mate. I know you need a bit of a build-up to your confidence. So consider that to be that. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> Here we go. One at a time, please. Five clubs that Glenn Johnson's played for. Okay. Um, well, there seems to be a bit of a theme here, right? Because he is a Portsmouth man. Correct. That's one. That's just the one, though. Uh, Liverpool. Yeah. Obviously played there for a very long time. Correct. Chelsea. Correct. High-profile move to Chelsea, yeah, in his career as well. So that's three. Uh, shit, that's only three. I was sort of hoping that was four, Luke. Um, no, unfortunately, I can't change maths. Sadly, <laughs> <laughs> I would. I wouldn't waste it if I could. I wouldn't waste it on this. Uh, l- l- uh, London. 
Mm. Did he? St- no. How about West Ham? Yeah, that's where he started his career. So you need one more to make it two-one. Good performance by you, this Kate. Thanks, mate. I don't mean that to patronise away. People think I'm just patronising you. I'm not. You're very uh, low on confidence when it comes to Luke's game. So sometimes you have to have it built, and it's all about <laughs> confidence. Um, I think I th- I'm just. Did he play for Millwall? That is incredible. That's five. Well played. So and the, that's your and five. the other one, Stoke. What's really is annoying is I knew all of them and I can't count, so I didn't realise I knew all of them. <laughs> can't change maths. So. Can't change maths, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank Apparently God. I can, Kate. Apparently I can. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. Glenn Johnson played uh, West Ham, Millwall, Chelsea, Portsmouth, Liverpool and then Stoke City where he ended his career. Fucking well played, hell. Kate. Very good turnout by you, that. Thank you. I'm and so relieved because I was so worried about the, the clean sweep. So actually, I think yeah, I'm relaxed okay. now. You've yeah. avoided that now, so that's that's something to be proud of. Um, okay, the fourth player, and uh, Kate, you get to go first on this one. He's played right. for five clubs in total. Mm. Um, Not low, sco- low, low club scores in this one. Yeah, yeah, that's just that's just how the algorithm works. Sometimes he started his career in two thousand one, ended it very very recently. Amazing career, high profile player, five clubs in total. Fernando Torres. Oh, for God's sake. Well, Brussels going to be able to do all of these, isn't he? Um, so I guess I go four. Four. Andy, can you do all five? Well, I'm going to have to try. Okay, so you're bidding <laughs> five. Okay. Okay, there's no way for you to move if Andy bids five. So, oh, Andy, no. you have. So I should have gone five. I've bollocked well, this up. It's too I? late, I'm afraid. You have the opportunity now, Andy, to, um, to put this to bed and secure a 3 1 win. One at a time, please. The five clubs that Fernando Torres has played for. People listening should play along as well. It's all part of the fun. See if you can do it as well as Andy. Uh, five clubs, please, Andy. One at a time. Off you go. Now, because of my poor maths, I don't actually know if I know five. I just know some clubs. So I'm just going to name some clubs until I run <laughs> out, basically. Okay, I'll, Andy, I'll be able to count from one to five for you. I this think even I shambles. can do that. I believe in you. <laughs> go for it. Um, now, start with uh, Vissel Kobe. That's a point to Kate. He hasn't played for Vissel Kobe. I think you're probably thinking of um, Andres Iniesta. Um, um, Fernando Torres did play out in uh, Japan. Japan, but yeah. he played for um, Sagan Tosu. Ah, oh, fuck's sake. Not Vissel Kobe. So oh, well. you could have had Atletico Madrid, Liverpool, Chelsea and Milan. Uh, yeah. And the fifth club was Sagan Tosu. So I'm afraid that is too all. And we Exciting. go to a decider. That is amazing. Incredible. Oh, I'm so happy because I could never. Andy, have done how do you five. feel about that? You must be gutted. No, I, I like to give some colour to the game. But what an error! What an error! <laughs> now he's making out. He's just playing lo- like <laughs> Well, he gets to go first and the deciding player. So here we'll see how we go. He's played for seven clubs in total. He is Rafa Van der Vaart. <laughs> okay, I'll go five. Okay, Kate. Do I hear six from you? I mean, I'm not going to be out of order, but I will be absolutely stunned if you can do six. That is a bit out of order. (laughs) (laughs) This is weak. 
this is weak, but I, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can, I can go. never, I can do six. There's yeah. no chance. But it's weak not to try, isn't it? But I am gonna. No, but but think... Kate, listen, Andy got it wrong first club up last time. Yeah, and okay, I was okay. pretty convinced that I was right actually. So... <laughs> <laughs> Which is right, why good. I went for the difficult one first. On the other hand, you're a Spurs fan. Yes. All right. No, Bustle, go. Go, go, go. Okay. So five clubs, please, Andy, that Rafa van der Vaart's played for. If you get five, you've won. Um, and that's that. If you don't, then Kate's won, and it's another famous victory. So the pressure is as high as it gets oh on Luke's gosh. game. Off you go, one at a time. Ajax. Real Madrid. Okay. Tottenham Hotspur. You gave him that, by the way. I know he knew oh, it. Oh, come on. Still... Yeah, come well. on. What, what do you mean you gave me that? Because he said about me being a Spurs fan. It's unfair. Yeah, I, I really needed the help there. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's be honest, we are not living in an alternative timeline where Andy Brassel doesn't know that Rafa van der Vaart played for Spurs. I'm sorry, but that's just not how it is. I'm try- look, I'm not in the same room. I've got to f- try and fuck with him. I, obviously, I'm not doing a very good job. <laughs> Two more, Andy. Hamburg. One more for the win. Oh. Michelin. You can't do it. Andy Brassel wins so that one coming yeah well played very good mate well done so he started his career at Ajax Hamburg Real Madrid Spurs Hamburg again Betis Michelin and played a few games for Esbjerg uh, before retiring so that is 3-2 to Andy a very well fought encounter though well done to you both it was an interesting and enjoyable game Kate you gave a great account of yourself but Thanks. Andy has won on this occasion I'm really down guys you shouldn't mm. make me feel so down like, it's, it's, the first, it's the first no. time in absolutely ages that I've won so um, I would say well played Mace but what I really mean is you should be ashamed <laughs> <laughs> Andy have you got a message for our lineal and uh, current title holder <laughs> No, no message. No message. Okay. All right. Let he you, knows let where you, you let are. You, let your game and do your talking. Exactly. Uh, okay, guys. Well, I'm going to try and deliver this uh, this with gusto, but as gusto, I don't I don't currently feel. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, so, you know, thanks, thanks for hanging out on this fine sunny morning, Leek. No, thank you for having me. It's been great. Thanks for nothing, Brass. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and thanks you lot for listening to the Football Rabble preview show sponsored by Betway. We'll be back on Monday. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.